everyone to Pop Cult X episode 54. Uh, once again, it is Gabriel and Danny, the co-host of your uh, podcast here from a millennial, oh, I'm sorry, Gen X point millennial. of view. Millennial. Oh, shame I'm, on I'm, you. I'm, <laughs> I'm confused in my old age. So uh, <laughs> yeah, we're pop culture from a uh, 40-something point of view. Um, so we'll go ahead and get started. I have a few hot topics to talk about, so uh, let's go ahead and get started, Danny. How, how are you uh, doing? Anything new uh, in the woods? Doing good. I'm excited because I finally get to watch The Batman that was finally released on HBO Max, so I'll be spending three hours of my upcoming weekend watching that, so that's it got me excited. Is it um, out already, or is it going it's to out already. Oh, nice. Think, okay, cool. Yeah, so it's out already. You can go rewatch it when you want. Yeah, that's really um, good. You really, really like it. I hope so. I hope it yeah. brings as much excitement to me as the new teaser trailer that dropped. I think it was today, actually, for the Thor four, Thor: Love and Thunder. Now yeah. that just looked like it's going to be a fun movie. Just a lot of a lot of stuff going on there. From you know Thor finding, trying to find inner peace and find himself, working out, getting back to where he once was. To um, Seeing Tessa Thompson look fierce as she's sitting there looking bored in a conference room as like the yeah. ruler of New Asgard, but she looks absolutely bored out of her mind. So yeah. I'm just curious to see where Taki Watiti takes the whole um, character arc, and it just looks really, really great to me. Yeah, it looks great to me. Of course, Jane Foster, who's played by Natalie Portman, is mm-hmm. Thor in in, in it, Thor. or the version of Thor. Mm-hmm. Uh, she looks badass. Like she's obviously yeah, working yeah. out because everyone on Twitter is talking about like her biceps in the pose. Mm-hmm. Um, she looks really cool. She has like a different version of like the Thor helmet where it covers her face mm. more, so you can't clearly see who it is. So it's kind of more of a um, traditional superhero where like maybe her true identity is being hidden. Um, oh, okay. And so you know, maybe we won't know that it's Jane immediately, and then we'll find out that it's Jane in the movie. Um, we find out it's someone else completely. Yeah. So it that's awesome. <laughs> she looks great. Um, they did show like a bit of, I think, Olympus where Zeus mm-hmm. is in the mm-hmm. Hades. So people are speculating that maybe Hercules, who is also a, a Marvel uh, superhero yeah. character, might be introducing being introduced into the MCU. There is a um, – a section of the trailer where Thor and I forget the character's name, what it like Gronk Borg, or, I think. Gronk. Yeah, so you know Korg. Yeah. Korg. Korg, Korg yeah. yeah. He's standing to like the left of Thor, and there's a significant amount of space to the mm-hmm. other side of Thor. So people mm-hmm. are saying that it's either Hercules, that uh who else is it? There's there are a bunch of speculation of people that who it could be. Um, right. and that it was edited out, you know, it yeah. could be just Jane Foster as Thor that they edited out that they don't want to to do any uh, uh, spoilers. So um, a lot of excitement in regards to it. It does look great. Um, it has the same vibe as as a previous Thor um, movie. Up, yeah. It's going to be fun, upbeat, great soundtrack. Um, throwing back to, you know, the Jet X feels of movies. <laughs> that great 90s. I think maybe it might even be 80s Guns N' Roses. Um, yeah, that's Guns N' Roses, yeah. Not like junior high. So I don't remember. It's like late 80s, maybe even early 90s. Um, but definitely our generation of music. And mm-hmm. so uh, I, I'm really excited about that. Um, you know, they obviously have Nirvana in the Batman, which you'll be watching yeah. 
um, soon. So uh, it definitely is popular right now. Um, I'm really excited. There was a bit of controversy that I was kind of curious uh, to see what your point of view is because um, the director, which I can't say his name, uh, Taki Watiti, yeah, um, he <laughs> was Takai, the director yeah. of um, what? What's the name of the movie? I think it's like Jojo Bunny or Jojo Jojo Rabbit. Jojo Rabbit. And uh-huh. great movie, saying, by the way. Well, the, here's the thing: is that I thought, you know, up until today, um, that it was well received by critics and by fans, and everyone thought it was hilarious. That, um, but. Apparently on Twitter, people are now turning on him as a director because they're saying really? that they made Hitler a sympathetic character and that that it's like anti, anti-Semitic and, and we didn't need a movie that made Hitler look good. And I didn't get that from the movie at all. Um, it's, Did they it's watch like, a different movie? I don't, right, I don't like, get it. And, and, so, and he is also Jewish. Right. So I, I don't know how to make sense of, of people's uh, – <laughs> I mean it makes my head hurt. It does. I mean that for anything, he made him look like a buffoonish caricature of a person and that's yeah. how I received it and that's how I saw it. And yeah, he was the comedic element to the movie but he was also mm-hmm. an imaginary character in the main exactly. kid actor's head. So it wasn't – yeah, people just want to complain about anything. I don't know. I mean, they, half of the movie, right? He's he's trying to kill the female Jewish character in it. Like he mm-hmm. joked, like it's like the running joke that yeah. he's like. Then he falls in love with her, and and but I mean, it, so it it was it's definitely like dark humor, right? Like a little Nazi mm-hmm. kid, and mm-hmm. and like his little buffoon best friend that's like also a Nazi, like <laughs> and, and I mean, but. I think he did it in a good way that it's like it wasn't mocking the Holocaust. It wasn't mocking all. Jewish people's experience, but it was like, what would what would it look like from a little boy's point of view that like does look up to Hitler, but is has an imagination and and comes across a Jewish person and then starts to see them as a human being? And how does their exactly their exactly? Uh, and so I don't know. It was really weird. And he does that, a really good uh, job of telling that from being brainwashed Nazi kid to realizing yeah. that they, the Jewish people aren't monsters. Like he's been told his whole life that they're actually yeah. people and he sees them as such. Yeah. And it's, he, it's a fantastic movie. I, people are just dumb. <laughs> um, the other outrage that I saw recently is that Danny. So Danny Elfman was in the news and I'll, I'll go into why he was in the news, but um, <laughs> Danny Elfman and Oingo Boingo, his band in the 80s, have a, a song called Little Girls. And mm-hmm. someone on Twitter was reminding people, like, don't forget that he did this really problematic song. And from my understanding is that that song and the album was written from a point of view of, like, different people. And I watched the video and he's definitely portraying himself as a monster and – um you know, as a pedophile and it's not, he's, he's portraying himself as like a villain. And so okay. it's, it, it, I'm like, it's not a song glorifying that it's, he's like being, he's singing from like 
a creepy way. It's sort of the way police had murder by numbers. Like they're not actual <laughs> serial killers, but they're seeing from that point of view. Or to right. make a more modern reference for those of us that aren't Jet X, like Billie Eilish, I think, did a record where she's saying from different perspectives, one mm-hmm. being a killer. She's not literally a killer. So like <laughs> years from now, I don't think we're going to look back and say like, oh, Billie Eilish was problematic because she wrote a song where you know, she's talking about killing people, like it's satire. So yeah. it, it just, it, I was like, and, and then the person who draw, who drew, you know, that, that conclusion of him being problematic was like, well, I didn't do any research. I've heard that it's satire. So maybe it is satire. I'm like, wait, but you're accusing him of doing something really horrible and you haven't even like looked into it yet. Like, right. Right. And, and so um, I think that they were doing it obviously just like everyone online for, attention and to because Danny Elfman has an, a, a Danny Elfman experience at Coachella so he's sort of you know in pop culture right now so in mm-hmm. order to get some of that spotlight this person made that comment um so which brings me to this next topic of Coachella that Danny Elfman <laughs> experiences at um so I was thinking you know, I had a little bit of a like FOMO, like fear of missing out, if you will, with all these cool concert, you know, attendees and it being such like a big event. Um, mm-hmm. And then I, I realized, OK, like I really do not want to be there. I wouldn't, you know, have fun. Um, the crowd is crazy. And at my age um, and, and it really <laughs> came down to like one thing and because it's like a, a full on like week event. Right. Like you're there for a while. Yeah. Like me being in like mid forties, like I'm too old to have to shit in a porta potty. Like that's something that I don't want to have to do again in my life. So I avoid all events or occasions where that might have to occur. Festivals mm-hmm. being one of them. Maybe when I was yeah. in my twenties, you know, free spirited, I I could care less. But being taught and having to use the same porta potty as hundreds of thousands of other people is not on my list of things that I want to do at this age. So I, you know, I completely understand that sentiment. Yeah. It's not, I just don't like crowds, but that would be the icing on the cake, it's I guess. The, so yeah, this it's be. the cherry on top of exactly. our <laughs> old man gripes. It's like clouds, heat, porta potties, like the obnoxious influencers posting about their, you know, festival attire, which mm-hmm. is like stupid that that's even a thing now. Like you look up clothes and it's like, oh, it's a festival shirt. What? How, like, <laughs> what makes it a festival shirt versus a regular <laughs> t shirt? You know, so mm-hmm. I'm just like, so not that age where I can go to a Coachella like event. I think um, probably the last one that I had, I went to of like a festival like that was. A street scene in San Diego wow. when they used to do that, and yeah. I think it was uh, Flaming Lips that was headlining street scene at the time, and it was in the parking lot, I think, of Qualcomm, and wow. uh, that was the last time. And it wasn't that crowded, and it was like a couple hours. It wasn't like a camping out, <laughs> you know, having to use a porta potty type event. So I think um, that was the last we're more we're more apt to go to like a Burning Man. Than a Coachella type thing. I don't know. I've never been to either. So like, like, you know what? It's like at my age, like I have, you know, I have an okay job. Like I own a house. I have a 401k. Like I just don't need to be like 
pooping in porta potties anymore. Like that's exactly. just like I've outgrown that phase of my life. <laughs> I don't need to buy festival attire. I don't need to be getting kicked in the back of the head because you know someone thinks that it's appropriate to mosh when like Billie Eilish is playing and it's totally not the right thing to do. Uh, and that's one of the things that annoys me too is that people who are young don't know what the appropriate time is to like slam dance or mosh like they do it for like any song and it's not appropriate for every artist or every type of song so uh i'm happy with going to intimate small gatherings of people i I can (laughs) (laughs) i'm actually going i i all of this babbling on that i'm saying about not going and I, i think i'm actually going to a festival uh, around the 15th of May. Um, it's, it's specifically for like our generation. It's like a whole bunch of like Morrissey is going to be there. Oh, wow. um, like these old like new wave bands, like old bands from the 80s. So like it, it's going to be, you know, there'll be chairs there, I think. Like they'll be appropriate for our age. It's so 50 50 okay. chance that Morrissey will show up, right? I, I think it's like a 9% chance that he's going to show up. So, But there are other cool people playing. I can't think of off the top of my head who else is, is going to be there. But uh, it's a whole – like it's it's a good lineup even if Morrissey wasn't going to be there. So if he doesn't show up, I'll still be happy. Um, but I, I, you know, he's definitely like a bucket list. If I ever get a chance to see Morrissey at least once, I'll be satisfied. Mm-hmm. Um, I know some people hate him now, but you know, I, I listened to him growing up. So I'm gonna see him at least once. Yeah. You know, before he, you know, goes on or passes on or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I don't so know. Speaking of, of activities, um, one of the things that I've been really busy with is a lot of photo shoots. I have been a man on a mission lately of really trying to get out there and shoot since the pandemic is like I wouldn't say it's winding down, but it's definitely kind of has a little bit more sense of normalcy. Like people are yeah. can go out. Like mm-hmm. we're not like stuck behind doors and, you know, talk to people. We can take our mask off in public. So um, I've taken the opportunity to try to get as many photo shoots um, scheduled as possible. Nice. Uh, and so I thought like, why not take the time to talk about photography on our podcast? Because mm-hmm. I, I think we might have – briefly mentioned in one of our previous podcasts of like who we would want to shoot um but maybe yeah. not necessarily like what type of photography we like like who are some of our heroes um why we're photographers like what about it do we enjoy maybe like some mm-hmm. ways that photography has infiltrated pop culture so uh right. why don't we go ahead and start by you know by me asking or, or posing uh posing this question to you is is why do you like taking pictures well okay hi my name is daniel I'm a fashion <laughs> photographer. It's hard for Yes. Um, well, why I like taking pictures. I mean, I've always been fascinated with capturing images. And mm-hmm. it started out with me really enjoying um, film directing, really. And, and I've always wanted to be a film director. I wanted to go to film school. But life as it is, you know, I was given the chance just to capture one movie an image at a time so that's how i approach my my photography is i like to think that i'm taking telling a story one image at a time um so i do like to do a lot of portrait photography wedding eh, wedding photography it's there it's good to pay the bills with but right 
you know, um, a lot of fashion photography. I think fashion photography is where you get to be the most avant-garde and creative, especially if you're working with a great team. And for me, that's what it's all about is setting up a great team, meaning you have a great designer, great makeup artist, great hairstylist, great models, uh, great fashion garments that you're capturing. And I was really influenced into fashion photography by um, some some of my inspirations like Herb Ritz, um, Irving Penn, Richard Avedon, um, Mario Testin- Testino, is that his name? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, Annie Leibovitz. And those are people who I really look up to and I really love their style and um, just what how they bring their vision to life. And for me, that's what it's all about. And I always like to joke that I, I take a picture of what the light is telling me because whether it's be outdoors and natural light or me controlling the light, it's going to be, you know, photography is the capture of light. So I like to always think that I'm capturing whatever the light is telling me where the light is showing on the scene. And it's just, you know, that's just how my aesthetic and my eye goes. Um, yeah. yeah, that's about it for my photography. Haven't done as much recently that I would like to I'm starting to get back into it. You know, it's, it's always, it's fun putting together photo shoots, but it's also a hassle at times because there's a lot of moving pieces that you need to coordinate, that you need to um, make sure all schedules align, especially when people are just doing it for a creative outlet where no one's really um, financially benefiting from it. So it's just people donating their time in a way to make someone's vision come true, whether it be my vision as the photographer or the fashion designers vision come true or the makeup artist, whoever has like the, the compelling reason for us to get together. And then we all work together to make that vision come true. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoy it. Um, I really need to do more of it. (laughs) Um, I really need to share a lot of my work that I have in my archives that I know just sitting there and collecting dust or data dust. I don't know. (laughs) I watched a movie, um, Kodachrome on netflix with jason sudeikis ed harris and um elizabeth olsen is that her name yeah elizabeth olsen mm-hmm. and it was a fascinating movie because ed harris plays a uh, photographer in his twilight years and he only shot on kodachrome film and then it's the story of um the last kodachrome being processed in kansas and jason sudeikis and the ed harris are is play father and son but you know there are rifts of, between them so they go on a journey to it to um, get that film processed. And one of the questions that Jason Sudeikis, Sudeikis asked Harris is, how come you don't shoot digital? Why only film? And then he said, because in 50 some odd years, I want people to be able to feel my work still and not just be ones and zeros on a hard drive somewhere. And I yeah. thought that was very interesting. Very, very interesting thought because, you know, we think of, um, photography as you know we everyone has it nowadays everyone has a camera whether it be on their phone whether it be a point and shoot or something the proliferation of photography devices is way out there right but for those people who still shoot film and actually have to develop and print out their work for it to be seen it i don't want to call them elitists or snobs but it's you know it's it is a true art form there in, into itself on that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's definitely different aspects and levels of being mm-hmm. a photographer that you have, like the person that I think that 
that I admire most is people who have a unique and creative yeah. uh, perspective on, mm-hmm. on photographs. Then you have people that, that are also really great technicians that, yeah. that, you know, sometimes all they can really, sometimes the, the highest level that they get is to be an assistant to someone else because they know all the technical the tech aspects part of it. Yeah. They're mm-hmm. never going to really be known as the artist because they don't really have a unique artistic point of view. Um, right. And then you have people who are, you know, the unique 1% that have all the talent that are like the technical, that are the artistic, that are like the creative, that are all wrapped up in one that become like the genius level photographers. Um, I think for me, the thing that that most appeals to me as photography is sort of trying to capture a moment yeah. and make it, you know, eternal, make it so that you can always go back and revisit it. I, I personally don't have... Um, a preference if it's physically held or if it's viewable. <laughs> on um, I think it's presumptuous of that character in the movie to to think that we're going to have hands fifty years from now to even be able to touch. <laughs> well, we know we could just be a brain like holding a jar of like liquid, um, which I hope because then maybe we can live forever and we won't die. But. Uh, so yeah, that's what appeals to me is like saving a moment. I w- initially when I started photography, I was a really big fan of fashion photography. Like I loved mm-hmm. Patrick de Marchelier, I loved Helmut Newton, I loved Herb Ritz, like you mentioned earlier. Um, and now that I am evolving as you know a photographer, um, I tend to focus less on what people are wearing and and even ask people to undress to have as minimal amount of clothing so that it becomes less about what they're wearing and more about what they're mm-hmm. saying mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. their body and with their face and their eyes. Um, because I, I think that regular fashion, like, you know, clothes that me and you have access to is really boring to me. Um, obviously like the most creative artistic designs are still amazing. They're pieces of artwork, but I don't have access to those. I don't have, you know, a, right. a, a, a French, yeah. Uh, you know, design work that's giving me, uh, you know, couture to, to photograph. So um, it, it, it's almost like if I can't shoot that high level of fashion, then I want to kind of remove the fashion from the equation um, because it, it's sort of like, you know, a cheap rendering of, you know, like if you get some fast fashion from H&M, yeah, you could make it sort of cool, but it's going to, at the end of the day, really kind of be kind of cheap looking mm-hmm. um and so i find myself not focusing on what people are wearing like and trying not to plan as much as possible like just show up like I, i'm gonna give you as little information as possible because i want to vibe <laughs> off of the person yeah because you know if i tell them show up wearing goth clothes and that's not their personality the picture is going to seem really inauthentic and so i don't want to project what i want on someone else um, and so I have to kind of see them and and meet them and start to shoot with them and vibe with them and see how they move and and go from there and let it be more of a, a natural progression. And yeah. then like at the, end of, at the end of the shoot, have hopefully uh, a good image. But um, I try to do as little planning as possible outside of location. I think locations are key because you want to have mm-hmm. some place that the person's going to be comfortable it's going to be conducive to shooting and it's going to have good lighting and things like that. But um, I, I try not to 
force someone into something unless it's completely fantasy and it's completely Sorry, uh, my watch is tripping out <laughs> uh, unless it's completely fantasy is the keyword <laughs> yeah or um, something that is commercial like you are getting you know uh, a t-shirt from a, a t-shirt manufacturer and you're being paid to take a picture yeah. of that particular mm-hmm. shirt that then obviously you're going to plan for that but um, that's kind of where so I'm at don't... right now. I've been watching a lot of documentaries on street photographers. Oh, okay. um, there's a really good documentary on uh, YouTube available for free. Um, and I want to say that it's called like street photography or so, I mean, if you just Google street photography documentary, it'll come up and it has um, one of my favorite photographers, Mary Ellen Mark, who, who has passed. She's no longer alive, but um, one of the, my favorite photographers has done some great documentary photography. It's traveled the world and shot everyone. Uh, and there is an authenticity to these photographers that just come across someone on the street. Mm-hmm. Some of them have an interaction with people and develop mm-hmm. like a really quick, fast relationship and take a really, you know, great picture. Some of them, um, literally, I think it's Bruce Gilden who's famously like has a flash runs up to people, shoots their face. And I, I'm not a fan of that. I know no. some people are like, he obviously has a prolific career. Um, I, I think that it's, especially in this day and age where people are so guarded of their image because our images are everywhere. It mm-hmm. makes it difficult for photographers to shoot on the street. So yeah. Yeah, I think now you're forced, like you have to develop a relationship because if you know you walk up to some girl on the Las Vegas Strip and don't ask, and you just take her picture, <laughs> she might slap you. Her boyfriend or her husband might mm-hmm. come up to you and ask you what the hell you're doing. Um, and so you have to be really careful. So it, it's interesting because, like you said, photography and cameras have prolif- proliferated to the point that everyone is a model, everyone's yeah. a photographer, everyone is the subject of of you know photography and a critic of photography, but it's made people a lot more guarded and Mm -hmm. uh, more protective of their image. Whereas before, you know, it was, I think there was a bit of um, charm for having someone to ask you to have them take your Mm -hmm. picture. Mm -hmm. Like it was like, like a a compliment. Like if someone in the, you know, fifties asked, you know, Oh, can I take your picture? It was like, Oh wow. You want to take a picture of me? And people would, really do it and now it's like well why do you want to take my picture what are you going to use it for what do you exactly it's just it's kind of it's it's an interesting um you know time that we're living in but um i i find that it is still interesting because we have to document this time and day and age uh because we are rapidly changing and it is Mm -hmm. a uh, rap we are in a rapidly changing society so i think that those street photographers have a lot of um, skill that that yeah. I like kind of getting back into. Um, I wonder I, how I'm um, a really big person on like going out and, and asking people to take their picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'm going to actually do that tomorrow. I, I have oh, the cool. so what I plan on going into a neighborhood like North Park or Hillcrest here in San Diego, where like cool people are, you know, that that I think would be open, or at least understand why I would want to take their picture. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they put time and effort into looking kind of creative or unique. So if I asked them, you know, they would probably know why versus going downtown and like seeing a lawyer and be like, can I take a picture? <laughs> well, why? Like, why do you want to take a picture? So well, I'll share that on our next podcast and see if oh, cool. I, yeah. I show up with a black eye. Maybe that's why I asked the wrong place. 
<laughs> like, I wonder how um, the famous street photographer, I think his name Bill Cunningham in New York City, how he would fare in today's society. Because he always shot people on the streets of New York City and they showed yeah. up in, you know, um, the fashion trends. He was kind of like the start of fashion trends based upon what he shot there. So I just wonder yeah. how he would fare. I think that if he were a young man today and he was starting today, he would have a lot of challenges um, because he started, you know, obviously he was an older man. Um, mm-hmm. So he started off in that beginning age of photography where, yeah. you know, it was a compliment. Um, yeah. He he obviously, what he had working for him in the 80s and 90s is that he was extremely well known. People started to know him as, as a member-only blazer, right? Yeah, like, so he had his fame going for him. He was an older man, so he's a little less threatening than a young man would be mm-hmm. to you know, a woman that, you know, he, some young guy going and taking a picture. Um, and so I think that it would be a really big challenge for a young guy today yeah. to be in New York and taking pictures of young women in, you know, bathing suit tops or mini skirts and, and, um, that doesn't have the notoriety or the fame that he had. So mm-hmm. uh, I think he would be, it would be a challenge, but you know, people do it. I have seen some great, you know, uh, fashion, you know, people who document streetwear, uh, but I think they do it in a different way. I, and I think that uh, especially with the way that we perceive race relations in the United States, where people are aware of exploitation um, and that that it's made people more guarded and it's also made people more respect respectful of communities mm-hmm. that they're going into. So like, you know, a white person going into Harlem to take pictures of the way they dress, like, is it complimentary? Is it exploitive? Or is it like making fun of them? Is it so that they're a spectacle? So like you really have to evaluate where the motivations for that photographer is. And in order for that audience to allow you inside of their world, like you're going to have to do your work. You're going to have to have a relationship Mm -hmm. with them Mm -hmm. and have that conversation with them and say, this is why I want to take your picture. This is like, I'm an ally. Like I want to celebrate your beauty or your style versus you know, making it an exploitive type situation. So I think that's another thing that we as photographers have to go up against because um, people, I mean, they're, people are, are more sophisticated when it comes to, you know, uh, knowing what their final image is going to be used for. Uh, yeah. And they don't want to be true. at mm-hmm. the end of a job. They don't want to be mocked or stared at because, you know, they're exotic or they're, you know, different than, you know, the mainstream culture. So um, that's something that I think that we have to really pay attention to. Right. No, I agree. I agree completely. And it's, it's a challenge. I mean, I, I personally don't know if I could do it. I mean, that's just not my style. I don't, I mean, I like capturing people's portraits and I love showing, like you said, not being able people not being able to hide behind what they're wearing so you're capturing more of who they are and their personality but i'm just going up to some random people on the street i don't know if i could do that maybe when i was younger i could i don't know but now it's it's like eh, do i want to talk to different people all the time i don't know yeah i i mean it's a challenge like i'm definitely was like more of an introvert when i was younger i think you know i'm a little bit more outgoing and assertive now like my older age but it it is 
very uh, intimidating to walk up mm-hmm. to a stranger mm-hmm. and and start to have a conversation <laughs> and let them know like, hey, you want to take a picture? But I mean, it's great skill building. I mean, it it, it is, is that's true. Really mm-hmm. doing what we do in a regular photo shoot, but very quickly. Yeah. Like getting people to disarm their, the, you know, the let their guard rapport. down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and so it, it's, it, you know, in that sense, it's really exciting. And I think that there's a part of it that, uh, it's very unique the way people, you know, prepare themselves to go out in public. And it's different than, than preparing for a photo shoot when they know ahead of mm-hmm. time, someone's going to take my picture. So mm-hmm. I find that kind of interesting. So, um, I would, I would suggest to any of our listeners or watchers of our podcast to, uh, take a look at some of the famous street photographers and let us know yeah. what you think about street photography. Is it a, you know, a dead genre of photography like are we gonna see that there are less and less street photographers as time goes by like how would you feel if a photographer came to you on a street and asked you to take your picture or even more daring how would you feel if you caught a photographer taking your picture without your consent Mm. you know would you be flattered Mm -hmm. would you be offended or feel um like you've been violated Mm -hmm. um i've Mm -hmm. you know i've had people take pictures of me like at clubs that are, you know, I mean, that are friends. So, I, you know, they've taken pictures of me and then shown me. And I'm like, oh, that was a cool picture. So I wasn't really aware of it. But if they were a stranger, um, I think that in certain settings, I wouldn't mind. But obviously, like, if I'm, like, in my front of my house, like, gardening and someone's taking a picture <laughs> of me, I'd be like, are you doing it? Um, yeah, I would pose that question to our, our listeners and to yeah, our viewers. Like, what? How do you feel about that? Like, are you... Uh, open to being photographed by a stranger or are you uh, not open or keen to having a stranger take your picture? So let us know, make comments, you know, message us, uh, make comments on our, our YouTube page. Um, Cause I am really interested in what everyone else has to say as from mm-hmm. the opposite side of the camera as a subject. Yeah, definitely. That's a great question. Um, yeah. I'd be curious to see what people have to say on those, to the answers to those. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. So, so we kind of touched base on some of the photographers that, that you like. Um, I'm curious if like, where did you find that? I mean, now digital, you can Google fashion photographer Mm -hmm. and like hundreds and thousands of pictures will come up, but we grew up in that time when, you know, the internet didn't exist. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I used to love like looking at my mom's magazines, like Vogue or, um, People magazine used to have a lot of like celebrity portraits in it. And I used to love looking at the pictures. Um, but where did where did you get your photo inspiration from? Like, what are some of the things that where you would find those pictures? Well, like the my main so my main um, inspiration and main person that I've always looked up to would be Herberts. He's like been always been my favorite, and and mainly it came from like the videos, music videos that he directed, like the Janet Jackson video and the um, Chris Isaac video for Wicked Game. And those were just like the black and white and just the contrasting colors and just the the way he was able to capture the people in there and tell their stories, you know, and that's just really where, what drew me in to his style and, and what really influenced me, I think in my work is is that, is the music videos from there. I mean, I did... Yeah didn't really look at many fashion magazines growing up, still don't really. And like you said, Google has been a huge key nowadays to finding out sources of inspiration. Like for this, 
doing some research a little bit just for this topic, I found out who Horst P. Horst was and his images or her, I think him, and they're fascinating. And it's just like, wow, those, the black and white, the contrast, the stunning of that, it's just amazing. But yeah, other than the music videos from her Brits, those are, those are my main source of inspiration. Yeah, they're, they're as like a little side trivia of, of, Herb Ritz and the Chris Isaac video is mm-hmm. famous supermodel Helena Christensen mm-hmm. was the subject of the Chris Isaac video Wicked Game. Right, um, beautiful, beautiful model, like top models. Um, I didn't know that she was actually or is a photographer. She's studied photography for years now and is a, a very prolific, respected photographer her own right. She's done oh, wow. a lot of fashion, travel, and documentary photography, and, and to. To go back to Mary Ellen Mark, who's one of my favorite photographers, she actually was doing workshops that Helena would attend and learn oh, cool. photography okay. from her, um, which I think was like amazing and what it, like a, a once in a lifetime opportunity that that w- that was for her. Um, and so I thought I thought it was really interesting because I, I saw an interview with with Mary Ellen Mark, Helena Christensen, and Mark Seliger, Seliger interviewing them about some of their like images where their inspiration is drawn. And um, I think that her being a model really brings an interesting kind of twist to being a photographer because she spent a lot, you know, decades in front of the camera, being able mm-hmm. to like emote, relate, communicate with the photographer through her her body and her face. Um, and so that's like a unique skill set that she's able to bring as a photographer. Um, to the models that she's shooting and actors and actresses that, that she's shooting. So um, I thought that that was really cool. Another photographer that is famous that used to be a model is Ellen Von Unworth, who was a, a model turned photographer. And I think that it's not uncommon for people who no. sort of grow out of modeling right. to become photographers because it's, you know, it's, I think it's a natural progression and, and um, it's interesting to see then what type of style of photography that they do and, how they treat models and how they treat subjects and how they relate to them. Mm-hmm. But, well, it's all about uh, finding the light, right? Yeah. So as a model, they, they're taught to, you know, find the light because where the light's going to be hitting you, that's what's going to be, you know, show up better in the photographs and whatnot. So yeah, I could see how that's an easily transition to the other side of the lens. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I lost my train of thought, but there was a oh, point. Yeah. It's all good. Uh, I, I think I just wanted to bring up that interview. It's it's on YouTube as well. Um, and it's um, Mark Seliger interviewing Mary Ellen Mark and Helena Christensen. Um, I recommend it because it oh, okay. they, they talk about some of these iconic and, and famous photographs that Mary Ellen Mark did and um, to hear in her own words, you know, what she was thinking, how she related to the subjects, um, how she shot su- subjects. Um, she briefly talked about how she felt that she had an advantage as a woman photographer because people would w- welcome her into her, their homes. You know, they trusted her taking pictures of their children. Mm-hmm. And, and I thought that was an interesting point because, you know, I think people – you know, especially with like the Me Too movement, you know, with sexual harassment and assault and all that yeah. stuff, like mm-hmm. people have now become less trusting of males mm-hmm. in general. And uh, and so I, that was an interesting uh, perspective that I thought that she she brought up that she admitted or highlighted the fact that as a female photographer, she had an advantage in certain circumstances mm-hmm. where, you know, people were more trusting of her. So um, that was kind of interesting. Yeah, that, that I was thinking about that. I know 
there's been fewer female fashion photographers, um, of course, in comparison throughout time to their male counterparts, which mm-hmm. is a shame because, you know, there are many talented female photographers out there. But what you just said about being an advantage of being female and being a little bit more trusted quicker, I guess, um, when it comes to certain scenarios is is quite interesting. Like for me, going up to say I see a fascinating subject on the street and I want to take a picture if I was doing um, street photography, that I'm going to get a little more ridicule, I think, as being a male than say the same photographer, a female walks up and does the same thing. I think it's a little easier, a little easier to let your guard down, I think. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it, it poses an obstacle in our path um, mm-hmm. that's not over, you know, that's not insurmountable, but certainly it's something that we have to work against. Yeah. Like, you know, especially photographing a model that we don't personally know and mm-hmm. to be able to let them know we're not a creeper within the first five minutes. <laughs> right. Um, because there are so many guys with cameras. There that are, are. That's creeps, the problem. Um, and, and make photography, uh, you know, give photographers a bad name that are there mm-hmm. for, you know, their own personal titillation and, um, it pisses me off because mm, it, it ruins it for mm-hmm. the rest of us. You know, mm-hmm. it makes it that much Absolutely. more harder. And, uh, you know, I, I hopefully, I mean, have them go find something else, you know, go do something yeah. else because it, it's, uh, it's horrible. I hate it. It, it pisses me off. <laughs> I, I agree. <laughs> I completely agree. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, with that, I think that uh, we've come to the end of another mm-hmm. podcast with Pop Cult X, uh, ep- episode 54, if you will. Uh, so uh, <laughs> working on getting some great guests moving forward. Um, have a couple things in the works. So uh, please stay tuned, subscribe, like, leave comments, um, and we'll see you next week. All right. Stay safe, everyone. <laughs>